You're listening to I Am Here. Hello, Cole, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Cole, you are from a podcast called Blue Dawn. That is a, it's it's a Dungeon World podcast. It's one of the many, many podcasts that I do. Oh, one of many. Well, (laughs) (laughs) let's just jump right in then. Uh Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and then maybe about some of the other podcasts that you do as well. Uh, Well, my name is Cole Burkhardt. I am a, uh, my pronouns are they, them. I am gender fluid. I'm mixed. I'm uh, a whole bunch of stuff that's complicated and maybe we'll get into it later. But like, I am a voice actor and an audio producer in my, I guess my like day job. I'm an event coordinator. Although it's weird to think of it as like my day job because podcasting has really kind of taken over my life in a fantastic sort of way. I have my first, my child, my first podcast is, is Blue Dawn. It is a Dungeon World actual play podcast. We are just about to wrap up our our third season, which is a horror campaign that's DM'd by the fantastic Ben. Um, we are running through an evil twisted clown circus that is just creepy in the best way. And then, uh, what else am I doing? I'm a voice actor in the podcast called Lavender Ladies, which is about an all-female, very gay mafia. I play Ruby, who is sort of a, a, a local who gets roped up into, into the mafia and falls in love with the, the head of the mafia. And it's, oh God, it's such, it's so well written. Um, everyone should go check it out. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. I am also part of another podcast called Unplaced, which is a horror podcast about a a woman who wakes up one day to find out that she's invisible and none of her anyone she meets like immediately forgets her and i love it uh if you like uh alice isn't dead you're gonna love unplaced it's sort of like an urban horror that very accurately reflects anxiety and depression and and things like that and then I'm also an audio producer for a podcast that hasn't come out yet, but we're we're almost getting there by the time this comes out. I am positive we'll have a couple episodes out. Uh, it's called Project Ozma. It is about these two people, Quinn and Percy, who figure out that, surprise, aliens actually exist, and they get shipped off to some otherworldly um, sort of like UN meeting and have to navigate their way through through space aliens and their own interpersonal relationships and things like that. And I, I love editing for that because I get to do a lot of cool stuff with sound um, and like soundscape. Let's see. God, what else am I in? I do... Saturdays, I you can find me on twitch.tv slash soulbearrpg, um, where I play uh, in a in a Star Wars RPG campaign called Galactic Mistakes. I play uh, a character named Drip Croken, um, and we basically just get into trouble and mischief and go rob and steal and and plunder, and it's it's so much fun. 
And then you can find me every other Mondays on Fable Tales, uh, twitch.tv slash Fable Tales, uh, where we are playing a Dungeon World campaign on a quest to, to save, save our planet and, and the world as we know it and explore and just date every NPC we meet. <laughs> uh, cause that's who I am as a person. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, you're, everywhere yes <laughs> and i th- i believe that is all all the places you can currently find me <laughs> wow cole you are in so much more than i knew <laughs> and like some of these things i know about and yeah. didn't realize that you were a part of <laughs> that's really cool mm-hmm. though it's amazing how how sometimes like the podcasting world becomes so much smaller. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I love about this community is there we're all very like close knit and interconnected in ways that like you don't even sort of realize and everyone's so so supportive of one another, especially with the uh, um like the Sunday shoutouts and the the fan favorite Fridays and I'm getting those hashtags wrong, but the way we're connected on on Twitter is is amazing and through all of the other podcasting and social media sites yeah it's it's really neat because i think we often focus on a lot of the like kind of negative more gatekeeper crappy kinds yeah of the internet space but i'm pleasantly surprised uh every single time i find out about creators Mm -hmm. in our community who are involved with other projects in the community that i wasn't aware of and Mm -hmm. it's it's really cool so yeah you're you're everywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess that begs the question how did it all start well i started playing D D. Back when I was in my sophomore year of college, which was, oh God, five, five years ago, I think. Um, yeah, about five, five or six years ago. And from there, I kind of started getting into podcasts. Like, I believe my first one was, uh, Welcome to Night Vale and then the Adventure Zone and then Friends at the Table. And then, like, it grew and grew and, I met a couple of people on Tumblr who were like, hey, we want to start a podcast that's like the Adventure Zone, like a, a, a actual play podcast. And not a whole lot of them had played D&D before, so we decided to go with uh, the system Dungeon World. And then it just kind of exploded from there. I was able to connect a hell of a lot more with other podcasters, and I stumbled upon Unplaced. And then it just kind of from there I was able to connect with everyone else and I just kind of put myself out there and applied for all of these roles and all of these like new podcasts and it just kind of I don't even know how it happened it just kind of like exploded in the best way I love that that's awesome and and yeah that's a that's a really cool thing about the community is how you suddenly become connected with all Mm -hmm. these all these other really welcoming and cool and interesting individuals yeah. who all have similar ideas and like mindsets and it's, yeah. it's super cool. And there's this big focus on, on, on diversity that I had never like 
grown up with that I think is just so fucking refreshing, especially these days. <laughs> um, oh, no kidding. Because like I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed, and so I, I've always still had that like black identity, and it was so weird going into something that seemed to be majority straight white cis dudes, and then I actually like delved further into it, and I'm like, no, this is this is so much more diverse than mainstream people seem to to think it is and I, I i love that that people are so devoted to to change and getting all of these different viewpoints and experiences that a lot of people don't think about having yeah and i think those communities have always existed it's not yeah it's not like people of color don't play yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i was talking to a friend and they're like oh yeah i can't believe like dnd is getting gayer and gayer and i'm like no bitch dnd has always been gay um <laughs> uh, yeah you just have to ignore everything gary guidance has done and dnd has always been gay <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's a that's a big thing is like in the past, I think that all of these different underrepresented groups have always been playing them, whether yeah. it's D&D or other various RPGs or LARPs. Mm -hmm. Everybody has been doing this. Everybody has been role playing. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're not always aware of the communities exactly. that we're not immediately a part of. Exactly. And especially when the default in mainstream is white male cis mm -hmm. it's it's easy to and it, often hetero it, as well yeah exactly <laughs> it's 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 very easy to ignore something that you have no idea about or don't even think about if that makes any sense but right absolutely because i mean especially when you got all these different mainstream shows mm -hmm. even you know like five ten years ago podcasting actual plays weren't really a thing yeah or or at least they weren't a thing that i was aware of exactly and so it was really cool for me to get into actual plays and be like oh okay here's women playing oh super cool <laughs> i'm a woman that's mm -hmm. me that's really cool and then and then more and more, it was like, whoa, there are way more podcasts that are diverse, that mm -hmm. are not the default than yeah. I ever knew existed. And this is so exciting and so mm -hmm. cool because the stories are... They're changed so radically when it's not yes. just a, a a straight white dude doing it. Like, uh, um, one of my co-hosts, uh, Shannon Dapper, who you can find at Mitch Dapper on Twitter, ha was talking recently about how different NPCs are in general when they're created by a a uh, a female or a genderqueer or a trans person a trans dm and that mm -hmm. they are generally more like racially diverse as well as gender diverse like even with all the trouble that happened with uh the the McElroy's when every time they came across an npc it was uh, a male or um every time they are like friends at the table also had some issues with that about how it was a majority like straight male or at least not out male cast and there wasn't a whole lot of like npc diversity and then as they grew and as they realized hey we can actually like include other people of color it began to get more and more diverse and more and more open and just fantastic right in a way that you don't normally see exactly and it, and it's interesting i've never played without men there are mm -hmm. always men at the table. Uh, my husband is almost always my GM, which is cool. And he's a good mm -hmm. GM. And, and he's certainly grown as a GM and branched out in, in terms mm -hmm. of the creation of NPCs. 
but I don't get that in real life. And so I get it from podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the power of, of podcasting and of having these really diverse shows because what we might not be able to get in our real lives we can get from podcasts and twitch streams because i i don't think you have to be playing role-playing games to be part of the role-playing exactly yeah you can still support creators and purchase stuff from their patreon or from their store or even just sharing their their rpgs and spreading the word is is simple and an easy ways that you can share this this community even without being inherently a part of it right and i think that the the diversity and the kinds of stories that we get from having really inclusive groups is really opens up our stories so Mm -hmm. much more oh yeah and creates different narratives that perhaps we have never thought of or we've never been able to experience ourselves in game Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm continuously like excited about all women or all women and non-binary people shows mm-hmm. because of the fact that that like I get to hear shows that don't have men in them. <laughs> and that's really that's really exciting for me because yeah. I love all the guys I play with, but I play with guys. And it's it's different. It's a different feel and a different like play style. The more you like diversify your 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 player base. Yeah. Because when it's all guys at a table, sometimes you can feel a little like trampled over, or sometimes they can not quite get a character, or like a, a, a female or or non-binary character in the way that having a table with with people who have actually experienced what it's like to be a a, a woman or <laughs> non-binary, and I mean, and even even in terms of genre as well. Yeah. So, uh, when we talk about Blue Dawn, for instance, and mm-hmm. the the horror arc that's going on, oh my god, am I loving it? I mean, don't <laughs> don't spoil anything because I'm I'm no, very no. slow at. <laughs> but uh, anybody who knows me will tell you that I do not do horror. I don't <laughs> listen to horror. I don't watch oh. horror. I I do not do horror, and I love Blue Dawn. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> and it's like the perfect amount and the perfect balance mm-hmm. and the way that. I guess the way it's all approached is like just a way that makes me feel like I can yeah. actually like enjoy it. Which is like we we understand that that horror isn't for everybody. And so we try to make it as as approachable. We're not gonna be like the edgelord horror gore like everyone's gonna die. We're gonna actually take a look at horror as a genre itself and figure out what makes these individual characters horrifying or horrified and of course uh we've been putting more of a focus on uh content warnings which i think people can really appreciate yeah but yeah no i'm I'm glad you like you like manic yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it it's yeah it's definitely it it was the last thing um i expected to get into was was a horror (laughs) arc and my husband was quite surprised when i was like man you should you should listen to this it's a really good arc (laughs) Or season, I guess. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. Season, not an arc. It's a it's a non sequitur to the first two seasons. Right. I think that's the right word for it. But yeah, but it's the way that the story is told and the different ways you approach the horror is, is mm-hmm. a way that makes it accessible. Yeah. In ways that I have never found horror to be before. <laughs> so you know, you are playing Dungeon World mm-hmm. with a group who hadn't particularly played a lot. Are there any other games really that you play? or GM that I guess allow you to be as 
Because Dungeon World is a really open game in yeah. terms of the way that you can explore themes and mm-hmm. and self-identities and whatnot. Um, it's pretty open. Are mm-hmm. there are the other games you're into similar? Are there... Uh, let's see. I Anyone who asks me will know that I love The Quiet Year, which is a game where uh, you have four decks of cards, and each deck represents a different season, and each card represents something that happens during that season. Um, and you create and build a community around that. And each card gives you like two options of what you can do. And it really, no, no community, no game of the quiet year is ever the same. Because even if you like play with the same group of people, you're always going to draw different cards and everyone's going to come up with different ideas and develop this community in really unique and amazing ways. We tried to play it on Blue Dawn, but then it, it was it didn't quite work with the style of what we wanted to do, so we ended up scrapping that episode. But I have played it that's like whenever I've got a block of like four hours, that's that is what I will do is play <laughs> play the quiet year. I also really enjoy uh Follow, um, which is kind of it's kind of it's a GM list game. Um, in the same way that the quiet year is, and you are still building a community towards a specific goal, but it's it's different in a way that I'm not smart enough to describe. But essentially, follow is is a game of scenes, and in each scene, you have to try and push all of these characters towards a an agreed upon goal. Like we played a train heist, and we had to rob or acquire this this magic mirror. Um, and each scene you can, you can say like who's in the scene and, and you just kind of play off each other. And it's a very good like improv exercise that I really enjoy. And each person who like dictates the scene can completely change the tone of the story that you're going for in, in unique and exciting ways. And it, it leaves a lot of room for, uh, communication and for growth in ways that most structured, uh, D&D RPG games don't quite do, if if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. I've been getting more and more into GMless games, just because I think it, it's... There's more room for for input from everybody to influence how the world works. Like with Dungeon World, we all kind of came up with how each race works. Like Shannon came up with a lot of a lot of backstory about M, who is a a dwarf, and they came up with a lot of backstory and lore for dwarves. And same thing with uh, elves and humans. But it was each of us individually came up with that. But for GMless games, we kind of work together and and mesh in a way that doesn't happen when you have a GM who's dictating everything. That's really interesting mm-hmm. that the GMless games are kind of the the ones where you are more attracted to, I guess. Yeah. In that sense. I didn't think I would be, because like, at first I was like, oh, there's no one who's going to be like taking a lead on anything. What the fuck are we supposed to do then? But it it... it it encourages communication in a way that doesn't that doesn't happen when there's one sole person who is leading the story. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mm-hmm. have um, only only recently slowly starting to get into GMLS games, and okay. I definitely see see what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. I think that in some ways they're much more collaborative. Yes, exactly. 
and everybody can kind of take ownership for the story too mm-hmm. and like really walk away from a GMless game feeling like they contributed. Everybody was a part of it and everybody yeah. created that story together. Yes, exactly. Not necessarily that GM'd games can't provide that, but it really no. depends on your GM. Yeah, because some GMs are very like strict in this is the story that I've made, this is the lore of the world. You guys just have to have to run free and and explore. Whereas like GMless games, you guys kind of develop the lore as you go. Yeah, exactly. What has your experience been in the RPG community leading up to being active in the podcasting part of that community, and how has it evolved? Uh, well, before. Okay, so the the biggest the biggest thing that I have noticed is before I joined like uh, RPGs as a podcast, there was no such thing as the X card. So I had to I had to sit through games where I didn't want this thing to be happening, but I didn't have a way to let my DM know in time that I wasn't okay with it. Um, and there was also a big stigma about about it being like fantasy and the fact that because it was fantasy, anything bad could happen and you just kind of had to had to get over it and i think that might also contribute to the fact that majority of my like my rpg uh team group campaign was male and so there was that that toxic masculinity sort of of that you couldn't talk about stuff you were uncomfortable with because you you had to be just always okay with it in in a way that i didn't quite enjoy but once i actually started getting into to, to more and more campaigns and they're like yeah if there's something that like comes up that you're not okay with we can absolutely just cut it out just l- let us know and it it was so much more open and and it was a relief that i was finally able to to talk to these people who also had similar not trauma but similar like uh, triggers yes thank you triggers to things like that or experiences that were unique to mine um, and that I am a, a gender queer, uh, I guess, woman in, in a way. And I was able to connect more and it, it felt more, more welcoming than, than it used to when it was just an in-person thing. I think it might be that it's not specifically just podcasting versus IRL games because I'm, pl- I'm still playing games IRL. But even now, it seems more more open in a way that it wasn't six years ago. People are are realizing that it is okay to to talk about your feelings or talk about what makes you uncomfortable um, and be a little bit more open, um, as opposed to you always doing what the DM says you have to do. And if you roll badly and your character gets horribly maimed or scarred, that you kind of have to deal with it. Um, but now we we have the opportunity to to speak up and have a voice in in the experiences that our characters have. Yeah, it, I see how that has changed mm-hmm. and the way that that has evolved. Because I mean, I I haven't been playing since I was a teenager, but mm-hmm. I've been playing since my early twenties, and you know, even 
even 10 years ago when I started playing, nobody would have ever thought to, at the beginning of a session, say like, okay, here's a reminder. If we Mm -hmm. hit any content that people aren't comfortable about it, just like tap this card or Mm -hmm. say X. The fact that that sort of thing is happening at the beginning of every in real life game, as well as online game now in my life is like a really cool thing to see. Mm -hmm. Like I had a, my, my very first like campaign, I, my, my character, her name was Ayo, she was a uh, road drow, got kidnapped by the enemy, and my DM had her essentially tortured and, like, maimed, and I'm sitting there going, hey, I don't, I don't enjoy this, I'm not having fun with this, and my DM was basically like, sorry, you didn't roll well enough, this is just what happens to your character, and I can't imagine something like that happening today. Right. And like that that still kinda like low key fucks me up. Um like I I get uncomfortable in in situations where my character's like tied down to a chair and can't move. But people are like super open to me being like, Hey, this isn't this isn't cool and I I really do like it. I'm I'm glad we're we're moving forward in a positive way. Absolutely. It's it's a really cool thing to have see seen change. There's still a long way to go with oh yeah mainstream media talking yeah, more about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Although that does bring up the issue of well, podcasting is at least RPGs are very not heavily edited, but they are edited. So sometimes even if there is behind the scenes, someone someone draws an X card or someone talks about what they like or don't like, the person listening won't necessarily hear that. Yeah, which is which is a problem in and of itself but i guess i guess just more i don't know um i guess just at least leaving the part in about the apps card not necessarily when someone does an apps card would would help to to spread more awareness about that yeah i I think you're right like even keeping in the fact that like your table uses the x cards yeah is a way of letting listeners know because not everybody watches twitch streams or youtube yeah that it's a system that exists and that will be used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although Twitch does bring up another problem with the fact that it's, like, real-time. And so sometimes you your DM doesn't really see the X card soon enough to be able to, like, affect the fiction in, in any sort of satisfying way. Which is, I guess, something we still have to work on and finding better ways to, to have an X card in real-time. Do you think that's just a matter of like a studio setup? Uh, I think I think it's so much so both. Like for instance, I know some people. I have two monitors, and I'm looking to get a third, um, so I can always see what what messages I get or what what players are saying. But I do have a DM who's like, yeah, I only have one screen to look at, and so I can't see messages that you send me um, unless they're over phone. But my phone's going to be off because I'm streaming. And so right. uh, we have to be, we have to audibly say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. But being in front of a, a live audience like that is a little, a little, a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting, interesting question that I'm not quite sure what the, uh, the answer to is. <laughs> yeah, because it's a wonderful system, but mm-hmm. there, there are ways that it, I think, could be better. Yeah. Implemented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It kind of depends on, on the GM, on the setup. On, mm-hmm. And some of that goes back to like finances. Like, you know, yeah. like if somebody can't afford multiple screens or it, not even finances, like there are some people who cannot focus on multiple screens. Yes, exactly. 
like can't have their phone in their hand otherwise they're, right. that's all they're going to pay attention to or right. so it's it's an interesting thing because then you yeah. then you have to start looking at like okay well like how can we make the x card more accessible and and how can it be accessible perhaps like and be built into twitch yes or be built yeah. into systems like roll 20 or whatever mm-hmm. so that there is something that if you're looking at the screen that you're streaming you know like yeah it's it's right there yeah. Hmm. Who knows? We're we're always making advancements in technology and in websites and applications like that. So maybe this will be an issue that we won't have in in five more years or in six more yeah. years. So how do you feel that your personal identity affects or dictates the way that you play or GM RPGs? I have never made a straight character ever. <laughs> and I am <laughs> I am proud to fucking say that none of my characters have been straight. Because I'm I'm a I'm a bi pan disaster, um, and <laughs> I I love playing bi pan gay disasters. <laughs> um, uh, there's also okay, so this is gonna be a little bit complicated. Um, so I'm I'm adopted, um, and I was adopted by a white family. So growing up, there was always a big disconnect between the way I looked and the people I interacted with. I grew up in a a mainly white community uh, and went to a majority white school. There was, uh, I think maybe like, there were 10 main black kids in my school out of a school of like, like a thousand. And I I never got a chance to to interact with them because I was always like that weird light-skinned girl uh, who never felt connected to the black community in a way that I would have if I had grown up with a, a, a black dad. And so a lot of the characters that I, I play, I, I use as an opportunity to connect with the Black community in the way that I never got a chance to as a child. Um, for instance, in an, uh, spo- like very, very late spoilers for Mudon, in, in an upcoming season, I'm going to be playing a, uh, a, a Black uh, Muslim girl. Um, and a lot of the research for that was super interesting because I got to like explore I, I got to explore a lot of the parts of like Africa and Nigeria and and look into the culture and talk to a bunch of different people about their experiences growing up in in Africa or as a first the child of a uh, of an immigrant um an, an African immigrant or something like that and it it's definitely helped me connect in 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 a way that that I never got to and I'm sort of learning how to come to terms with with my my mixed race and with my blackness in in amazing ways and I'm getting to to hear more 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 people of color and stepping away from that that god uh that like white mindset that a lot of uh white RPGers tend to have which is like it's been it's been Life-changing feels too, too dramatic, but it has definitely been, like, a very positive change in my life. That's really interesting. hmm And so I, I've been I've been trying to, with each character that I make, I've been trying to explore different aspects of my culture and my gender and my sexuality and, and who I am as a person and using those characters to grow, to, to have some self-growth besides just character growth. I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing when RPGs can create that sort of environment where we mm-hmm. can 
explore our identity, mm-hmm. you know, our genders, our sexuality, and in your case, exploring that part of who you are that you never got the opportunity to growing up. It's, it's, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of like, I'm not awestruck, but it, I'm still trying to, to, to process, but I, it's, it's really amazing. I, I never thought that I would, I never thought that I would be in the podcasting community. I was always a very like active kid. I danced. I, I did, um, like sports and soccer. I was, I was, I was a fucking jock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not to be that nerd, but, um, I used to LARP for a while. Um, and I, I didn't get into LARP because of the fantasy aspect of it. I got into LARP because I could go around and hit people with a, like, a, a, a <laughs> foam covered PCP pipe. Not PCP. That's not the right thing. <laughs> with a, a foam covered PVP pipe. And then it was like, wait, no, there's actually like a fantasy aspect to this. And then I kind of got more and more into that. And that led to, to playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. It's so, you know, and it's funny if you had told me the same thing like 15 years Mm -hmm. ago, like, oh, you're going to be doing a podcast where you talk to people about RPGs and uh, identity (laughs) in RPGs. I'd be like, what the hell is an RPG? And and why the fuck would I play that? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's it's very interesting talking to you for a lot of reasons, but Mm -hmm. I'm white. Uh, one of the players at my table uh, is also mixed race and something mm-hmm. that um, he and another good friend of ours who doesn't play, but um, has talked about playing mm-hmm. They're They're both mixed and they've talked about uh, how they both grew up in very white families and, and very white environments where they have never felt like they could connect to their blackness. And, yeah. and, and so while I don't understand what that's like in, in mm-hmm. any way and can never understand what that's like, I find it really interesting, but also really sad that there is part of them that is really difficult for them to be able to explore and really difficult for them to be able to understand even how they could connect with that side Mm -hmm. when black culture has never been a part of their lives. Exactly. And and that's one of the issues of, I want to say America, but I feel like this is a worldwide issue in that black culture has people have always been aimed to to smush that culture down or to destroy it or ignore it. Um, especially uh, when you go back to times of like colonial and slavery, they weren't able to, to express their culture in ways that were acceptable. And I think we're still trying to get over that mentality of black people can't have a culture or, or people of color can't have a culture. And it's it's more about realizing that American culture isn't just whiteness because America is a culture of many cultures and we we take ideas from different cultures instead of just letting them grow into a into a a, a symbiotic culture and this may just be me talking out of my black ass but a lot of like a lot of a lot of white people don't realize that things that make up their culture is is things they've taken from other people and they don't realize that there's, there's, there is, there is black culture. There is absolutely black culture, but it's not something that is accepted in the same way that it is okay to be a, a white straight, like, male or, I guess, even a white straight woman. 
mm-hmm. in, in America today or even 50 years ago. Right. First, it's a really cool thing that RPGs have, have been able to provide you with that mm-hmm. space to be able to really explore mm-hmm. the black culture and find that part of you that you never got yeah. to experience. And for me, as as a white woman, the more I listen and watch and read work by creators who are people of color, the mm. more I kind of realize my own societally injected thoughts yes. that I didn't yes. know I had. So an example of that, which was really like almost so simple when I looked mm-hmm. at it that I didn't realize like, God, that's so dumb. Like, why the <laughs> fuck wasn't I doing that? Is I saw somebody and I'm, if this person happens to be listening on Twitter, I don't even know who said it on Twitter, but somebody (laughs) on Twitter said it and it made me kind of like smack my face. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, you know what white people could do in RPGs is describe when characters are white. Yes. Because all you do, you only describe characters' colors when they're not white, which makes the world immediately feels like whiteness is the default. So stop that. Just describe everybody's color. And I was like, oh my fucking God, like, why wasn't I doing it? Like, yeah. Like, I never thought of that. That's that's really interesting. That's such an easy thing to do. Why the fuck am I not doing that? (laughs) And so I'm sorry to whoever wrote that. Thank you. (laughs) You made me realize my, like, ignorance, I guess. Yeah. that, That I didn't know existed well i mean right. i know my ignorance exists right but- <laughs> we, we all have our personal and societal biases that like i i was talking with my uh my dad who is my my adoptive dad but he's he's still my dad and he was like listen just because uh like he we were talking about racism in general and his idea of racism was like uh white people um like beating up black people and like the general like redneck racist you you normally think of and he was having the most difficult this time realizing that sometimes racism or racial ignorance isn't necessarily you're gonna be like calling calling uh black people the n-word or, or beating them or wanting to enslave them sometimes it's just little things like not recognizing their race or to assume that the default is white and it's it's maybe not like all out racism, but it's still it's still a sort of ignorance that people don't really realize. Right. And I think that especially as a clearly privileged individual is I make a point of telling people to call me the fuck out on stuff <laughs> and like like call me out. No, I deserve mm-hmm. to be called out because I know that society has drilled things into my head at a very mm-hmm. young age and I can't undo those those things without without understanding that they're even there it's so cool that you're also willing to accept that you have like prejudices that you don't realize because a lot of people will like if they get called out they'll be upset about it or like think that we're attacking them for it and it's like no we're just trying to point out how you could be a better dm or a better like white ally (laughs) which is uh, also a weird thing to say but like how you can better support people of color especially in podcast and and audio mediums like podcasting you know we talk about the emotional labor of learning Mm -hmm. and and i i try really hard not to put the emotional labor on other people Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not a black person's responsibility to inform you about how you could be better it's up to you to have some self-reflection 
and and uh, improve upon yourself. Right. And I think the the self-reflection is a really important piece. So um, the example of that Twitter thing that I saw was mm-hmm. like, I could have easily been like, well, why? Somebody explain to me why that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Or oh, why God, I like, should be doing like that. that. That asshole who, like, set up the table at college of, of, like, white male privileges and a thing changed my mind. It's like, it's not up to us to change your mind. It's yeah. Up to, it's up to you to research and and to, to, to learn on your own why that's a thing. Exactly. That's, that is, that is peak white male privilege. <laughs> God, yes. Um, exactly. And so if you look at other games, like Mouse Guard is a great example. Like, mm. we describe the fur color of every single mouse. Yeah. Why would we not describe one of the fur colors? <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so that would make you assume that that's the default. And so in, in the same way, like, that is such, such a prime example mm-hmm. of my privilege right there the best thing that that we can do is just continue to be willing to self-reflect no matter who you are yeah that self-reflection is going to help you be a more open and better person as well Mm -hmm. as a more open and better gm yeah and and player so i guess with with you exploring that side of yourself how important does that Or how does that affect you in terms of recognizing the importance of representation in tabletop gaming and perhaps being that representation uh, for Mm -hmm. other people listening or watching? I I actually just had an issue with this, um, and I'm not going to call anyone out. I'm not going to name what game it was for. But I realized that the only person on the network who was a very obvious person of color was me. And so I, I... I went to the heads of the network and was like, hey, next time there's a campaign, let me give you a list of, of people of color that are really cool that you could reach out to that would be that could be open to, you know, playing these games. And they were like, oh shit, we didn't even realize like what we were what what we had done or that that we hadn't we hadn't devoted not devoted, but we hadn't been as diverse as we had had expected that we were and so it kind of drove home the point that sometimes white folks or or straight folks aren't going to realize that they're not diverse and so while it's not up to me to educate them as to why that's important i should also be the one who speaks out to 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 to, to call people out on the fact that they have a majority white or or white passing cast and even even in terms of of my queerness not just necessarily race whenever i'm on an rpg that everyone is playing uh like cis straight characters i'm gonna be that one that one extra bitch who's playing like the gay uh the gay person or the, or the trans woman or trans man or or gender queer just to make people aware that these are things that they can do and it's it's important to me that there is that diversity but but also it it's Okay, so I always say that in D&D, there's the human human race, and that race is always so fucking boring, because I'm already a human, why would I want to play another human? I'm, I want mm-hmm. to, to, to play and to, to learn and be knowledgeable of different cultures and different genders and different sexualities, because it helps me to develop 
who I am and my understanding of all of these different people. Um, if if that if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that that RPGs do create this space where we can where we can yeah. be whoever we want to be. And so why why would exactly. you play yourself? Why wouldn't you? And okay, like the you know. Okay, you're playing a paladin and you're not a paladin. Yeah, but like, like whatever <laughs> bullshit. Um, but why wouldn't you explore mm-hmm. identities that are exactly. not your own for the sake of understanding? Although that does bring up the issue of like cultural appropriation, but I think if you're coming out at it as like a place of education and knowledge, then right. it's it's absolutely be- better. It's not great, but but it's better. It shows that you're willing to understand different cultures right so i guess we'll Mm -hmm. wrap up with i guess last question what keeps you going back to rpgs what what keeps you playing um uh, the it's it's oh goodness that's a great question Um, uh, my 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 first answer is definitely the people um this community is so great they're so open and everyone is so willing to learn and to build off each other and to create these fantastical stories that um you don't really see or hear anywhere else and it's it's a great way for 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 me as a person to play out some of like issues i may be having or things i'd like to explore or it's also a great stress reliever. <laughs> um, like I, I like getting into fights because then I can like kick a monster's ass and I'll feel like, woo, yeah, mission accomplished afterwards. Um, yeah, it's a great way to like hang out with people. I am always so busy, but I like to tell people that podcasting for me is a hobby because it it is. It's a good way for me to like hang out with friends and meet new people, and it's always a you unique experience every time and even though i get paid for some things or even though that it i do about as much work as a as a part-time or full-time job it doesn't feel like work because i'm still being able to listen to cool stories that i've done with with friends or to create new experiences that people are going to be able to listen to and enjoy in in a way that that is satisfying so yeah it a whole a whole bunch of reasons basically yeah i love that that's mm-hmm. wonderful and is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon or chat about that we haven't talked um, about that you want to say or get out there oh goodness don't be afraid to reach out that's how i got involved with all of these things is there there's there's always that self-doubt trust me i've got like bipolar manic depression and all that bullshit that's always telling me hey you're not good enough that people don't want to play with you that you're not a good rpg or don't fucking listen to it i know it's tough to not but you have to to sound completely cheesy you have to believe in your abilities and if you don't believe in your abilities then you have to build on them and get them to a point that you do believe in yourself and sometimes the only way to do that is to get out there and play play new games with new people or to join new campaigns or new podcasts or or things like that it's tough but but i believe in you that's perfect that's a wonderful way to end thank you so much cole (laughs) for coming on thank you for having me
Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet excess bonus content for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. I Am Here is a production of RPG Casts. The intro and outro music was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Visit the website at IamHerePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and so much more. You can find more about RPG Casts by going to RPGCasts.com and follow on Twitter at, at RPG underscore casts. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to I Am Here. It means so much.